You're listening to the From the Hack Curling Podcast, part of the Curling News and Sports Illustrated Partnership. Hello everyone, my name is Frank Rock and welcome to the From the Hack Podcast for this week. We have a mini episode for you, consisting of brief conversations I had with some of the curlers that competed at the season's first slam in North Bay. Nick Adine, Jamie Sinclair, Joel Redernaz, Tracy Flurry, Glenn Howard and others will be joining me. All that more on this week's episode of the From the Hack Podcast. Hello everyone, as mentioned in the intro, this week's episode will be a little different. It will be a shorter episode consisting of brief post-game conversations I had with several curlers at the Boost National Grand Slam in North Bay this past weekend. Please know that these are not game recaps or reactions. They consist of larger picture topics such as new lineups and looking forward to this new cycle. Last season, Nicholas Dean and his team from Sweden cemented their spot in any discussion on the greatest men's teams in curling history. I got to spend a few minutes with Nicholas in North Bay and started by asking him, with all the success they've had as a team over the past several seasons, what gets them going or motivated to compete at the highest levels early in a new cycle? I think uh, we're actually all thrilled to, to just be back fully competing and traveling again after the COVID year. So I think... Uh, uh, we, we don't look too much on like what we have accomplished. We, we more look at the kind of lifestyle and like if we want to keep doing this full time as our job, the, the, the alternative would be to quit and do something else. And would that be better, more fun? Is it something we can do later on? Yes. So I think we, we all kind of just look at it like what, what we want to do and not so much what we want to achieve anymore. So uh, we, we're uh, living the dream, so to speak. Uh, we, we would love to make a, a little, little more money on it, but it's still still well worth it, traveling the world with our friends and, and just playing curling and competing. As I mentioned earlier, Team Adin has to be part of any conversation when discussing the best men's teams in curling history. However, all the success doesn't necessarily translate to financial riches. Few, if any, curlers are making a significant salary from the sport. Even the Olympic champions who have won four straight world championships struggle to attract sponsors. Yeah, and and, and it's uh, it's it's way way less than people think. It's it's all there. It's uh, like the incentive can never be money for us. We we are barely barely making a living doing this. So it's uh, it's all about just what we want to do and, and having fun. And as long as we feel it's worth it that way, because uh, we, obviously we're sacrificing a lot of time away, 200 days a year on on the road is taking a lot of time from friends and family and stuff instead. So um, if we make more money, it would be an easy choice. But but now it's it's a tough choice but it's still uh, worth it for all four of us so, so far so uh, another Olympic cycle and then we'll see. Over the years Nicholas has dealt with a number of injuries and with players such as Eve Muirhead, Brad Jacobs and others either retiring outright or taking a step back from the sport to start this new cycle I asked Nicholas if he had contemplated doing something similar. Yeah for sure uh, I think especially uh, especially way back after the Olympics in uh, 2014 that was kind of the big decision there I was uh, like 28 years of age and, and like if the time to go back to school it would have been back then I think so I, I kind of knew that if I if I push it four more years then I'll be uh, over 30 it's not too late to go back to school or change your career choice but it, it felt too late so I, I kind of saw that as the big decision and uh, keep keep going there it was kind of like for 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 life or for for as long as I feel it's good fun we can we can compete out there if we start losing we won't continue I, I think we're too much 
uh, we're too competitive for that. But I think as, as long as we're doing well and having fun, we're, we're, this is our career. I ended my conversation with Nicholas on a more personal note by asking him what got his motor running early in the first season of a cycle when he's already accomplished so much in the sport and has really nothing left to prove. And I asked him if a big part of it was being around fellow competitors that have become friends over the years. For sure, yeah. I think especially now after the COVID years where uh, we can't wait to go back to on tour and seeing all the friends again and we can actually be more social too. We, we don't have to keep the distance as much anymore and it's like, because that that's like more than 50% of curling I would say is the social part of it and and uh, just being able to like say hi to everyone and, and hang around at the hotel or at the, at the arena watching games again instead of just lock yourself in the hotel room. It's it, It's not as fun anymore so um, yeah, definitely just glad to, to be out competing and, and having the social part back. And then obviously competing is the, 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 the thing we like about the sport too. And, and we wouldn't do it if it was only practice games. But um, the, the social part definitely has a very big impact in seeing the friends again. It has been a topsy-turvy few seasons for Jamie Sinclair, who ended the 2018 Olympic cycle on such a high note, reaching the bronze medal game at the Women's Worlds that year, and also leading her then-teammates to a championship title at the Players' Championship Grand Slam event. The most recent cycle was a disappointing one for Sinclair, with lineup changes and results that simply did not meet her expectations. Jamie is now back in Canada playing with Chelsea Carey. When I spoke to Jamie in North Bay, she seemed at peace, happy and looking forward to moving on with her life, both on the curling ice and off. I started by asking Jamie what it felt like to be back on the ice playing with a new team out of Canada. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. It, it feels great. I'm just, um, you know, it, it's such a, an honor and a privilege to play at a slam and play at this level. So uh, I'm just thrilled to, to be out here playing with this team and, and uh, getting to play on this stage again. It feels really good. As I mentioned earlier, Jamie will be competing with Team Carey out of Manitoba this season. I asked how it felt being back in Canada, where she won gold at the 2007 Canada Winter Games on a team skipped by Rachel Holman. Yeah, no, I mean, it just feels good to, to be home again, to be living uh, close to my family and to be, uh, you know, re- really able to um, focus on my career here, my, my job as well, uh, and, uh, and still being able to be on the ice. I just, I feel really fortunate. I could not let Jamie go without asking her about competing in the very same building in North Bay where she came oh so close to winning a world championship medal back in 2018, losing the bronze medal game to Team Moiseva of Russia in a game that could have easily gone Team Sinclair's way. It was a close game. Yeah, no, I can remember that pretty vividly. (laughs) Um, No, it feels good to be back. I know it's like, yeah, it was a, I would have liked that bronze medal game to go a different way, but uh, I still get good memories when I come into this uh, arena. Following my chat with Jamie in North Bay, I reached out to Curling Canada to ask what the timeline was before Jamie would be allowed to compete in a national championship in Canada. According to Curling Canada, a two-year wait is required between a curler's last participation at a national championship in another country. As a result, Jamie will not be allowed to compete at a national championship in Canada until the end of the 2023-2024 curling season. One of the big stories early in the week in North Bay had little to do with on-ice action. Team Jennifer Jones announced that Glenn Howard was stepping in as coach of the team after Victor Schell accepted the position of national coach of the Swiss program. I asked Glenn about becoming the coach of a team skipped by arguably the best women's curler ever. 
Yeah, it just kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, Jen called me up and said, what, what, you know, can you help us out for a couple of weekends? And I did. And uh, as it turns out, uh, I know they love Victor. Victor Krell's a, a, a peach of a man. And uh, I know he's, he's stepping back. He's got something else in, in, planned. And uh, they needed somebody. So I, I jumped in. And it's a perfect fit for me. They're just a great bunch of girls. And, you know, obviously to have a chance to work with the GOAT. Uh, Jen's been the greatest girl of all time to have to work with her. And then obviously, uh, uh, you know, Team Zacharias, uh, those four young girls, what I've got to know them already are just great young ladies and uh, uh, great curlers so uh, I think the sky's the limit for this team I'm super excited to be a part of it uh, I can't wait to, to delve right in obviously I've just been sort of superficial watching a few games and given a, 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 a little bit of information I haven't really watched them throw a practice or anything but really excited about that and I think the sky's the limit for this team and can't wait to get started. As for Glenn Howard, the curler, when we spoke early this season for the From the Hack season preview, he was still unsure about whether or not he'd be able to curl this year. Not only has he been able to curl, but Howard has been playing on a team that has had some early season success heading into the first slam of the season in North Bay. Well, I had uh, I had surgery. I had surgery in uh, July 20th, um, and they had to snip off a piece of my meniscus, and they also found a couple of uh, uh, tendons that were uh, two tendons that had split into four. One had turned to mush, and the surgeon, the orthopedic surgeon, said I'd never quite seen anything like it. So he repaired those, put them back together. Uh, and then I've been about eight, nine weeks now, and it, it's tight, but I'm, I'm really pleased. It's, it's come along, tons of physio, tons of working out. Um, it was, it's sore to start, but the beauty is it gets better as I, the more I play, which is kind of weird, but that makes me feel better, the fact that uh, the more I throw rocks, the better it's going to get. So I, I'm hoping just continuing to get better, and uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's better than it was at the end of last year, so that's, I'm really pleased. Now, usually when teams are put together, there is a period of adjustment, uh, which can lead to some poor early season results. In the case of Team Carruthers, that was not the case heading into the Slam. They had qualified in all three events they had played in before arriving in North Bay, including winning the title at Curling Canada's New Points Bet Invitational. The early success was no surprise to the team's third, Jason Gunnelson, who points to hard work and familiarity. Well, I had I had pretty good familiarity having played with all three players before. For me, it was you know kind of know what you're gonna get, and you know we had really good work in the summertime. Um, Reed had Reed and Jody had Bo there, so the first couple of months we took a nice break, but the last two or three months we've been working pretty hard, and you know I think we've got to jump on some of the teams that need a rest after the last quarter now. After several years as a skip at the elite level, I asked Gunnlaugson about the decision to step into the role of third on a team with Reed Carruthers. Yeah, I mean, we've done it before. We know it works. It's a pretty, pretty easy sell. Um, you know, I, I think I have a pretty, you know, I play with great teammates, but I have a pretty big impact in the game at third. Um, you know, it gave me some new challenges too, which I probably was looking for after six or seven years of the same position. Um, you know, sweeping, I definitely have, you know, spent a lot of time trying to be an adequate sweeper and just trying to be the best at my position. So it's pretty fun. And I couldn't let Jason go without asking him about the challenges of transforming himself into an elite sweeper in order to be effective at his new position. I, I had been working harder the last few years probably than I should have, you know, in my 20s and early 30s. So uh, I wasn't too far to climb, but uh, it was a lot of work. Shout out to Effective Staff training with Adrian Honish uh, definitely put a lot of hours in the gym this year ate a lot of food and it's a lot of fun to sleep 2022 has been a transformational year for the Italian curling program. It started with Stefania Constantini and Amos Mozaner winning gold in mixed doubles at the Beijing Olympics and continued with a bronze medal performance by Joel Retornaz and his team at the 2022 Men's Worlds. I asked Retornaz how important those on-ice successes have been for the Italian curling program. 
Well, you know, for a country with 300 uh, curlers, that was huge. Uh, you couldn't even imagine that before uh, at the end of the se- of last season. So that was huge for our country. We got a lot of support from uh, people back home. We would like to have a little bit more support from Federation and uh, a little bit more sponsors. But that's the way it is. It's not in our culture. Curling is not in our culture. So everybody thinks about soccer in Italy. And even though we didn't qualify for the World Cup, but still, uh, we... We try to do our best, and uh, we know what we're capable of, and uh, we really want to repeat the season we had last year and show everybody that we deserve to be up there. With those recent successes on the ice and with the home Olympic schedule for Italy in 2026, I asked Retornaz if the next few years might be the most important years in the history of the Italian curling program. We're like we're now in the in the best position possible, like with the all big results last year and the Olymp- hosting the Olympics in a few years at home. It is now or never. Like if if it is gonna happen that curling grows and gets uh, important in in Italy, it's now or never. So it is really really important for us to host the games. We know we're qualified for the games already, and we can focus on building some good teams and try to to be competitive uh, in 2026. One of the new lineups in North Bay was Team Dunstone. Matt Dunstone returns to Manitoba curling with an experienced crew that includes BJ Newfeld at third, Colton Lott at second, and Ryan Harden at lead. I asked Dunstone if he was surprised how well his new team had gelled early in their first season together. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not. I mean, the whole process of, of creating this team was quite well thought out, and I think that gave us an advantage kind of going into the season. Um, Chemistry's come quite quite easy for this team. Um, personalities all match quite well. Um, obviously, the talent's there uh, across the board. So um, there, there's definitely things we're tweaking, working on all the time. I mean, this team's got a long ways to go, um, but the trajectory we're on right now, uh, uh, we like what we're seeing. Dunstone and Lott already have a long history together. I asked Matt what it was like to be playing full-time again with his former third on two Canadian Junior Championship teams. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, he's one of the most talented uh, talented curlers in the world. Um, and he, he certainly showed that at the trials there. Uh, I think that was kind of his coming out party. And, um, you know, he's the real deal. I think, uh, you know, at the end of the cycle, you're going to see his name up there as one of the top seconds in the world. Last but certainly not least, I chatted for a few moments with a curler who made some big news late last season when it was announced that Tracy Fleury would be joining Team Homan at the start of this new cycle. I started by asking Tracy if she was surprised when Rachel first contacted her to join Team Homan to start the new Olympic cycle. I was a bit surprised when Rachel called me. I had assumed that they would be looking for a lead, so it did surprise me at first, but I was really excited right from the start. Um, obviously have a lot of respect for these girls who've played against them for so long, so was really excited for the opportunity. And I couldn't let Tracy go without asking her if Team Holman had asked her to tweak her delivery so that it would match the releases of these three other team members, which is something that has typically been expected of new players joining Team Holman. Um, it's a work in progress, yes, it, um, it is a different release and uh, I feel like I do have some work to do. Um, I, I haven't had practice ice, so I think once I get practice ice, I'll be able to uh, pick up on it, but yes, it has been an adjustment. And that does it for this abbreviated edition of the From the Hack podcast. Some sound bites from a busy week at the Boost National in North Bay. A big thank you to each of my guests for joining me immediately following their games in North Bay. Also, don't forget to check out our partners and friends in the Curling Podcast Network, the Two Girls in the Game podcast and the Curling Legends podcast. I'm Frank Rock, and you're listening to the From the Hack Curling Podcast. 
part of the Curling News and Sports Illustrated Partnership.